we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. But I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about. Cofield and Company NFL Insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. We got some rule changes to get into around the National Football League. Also, uh, flexing action on Thursday nights. Some NBA as well. Miles Simmons coming up here in just a second. Puck drop coming up in just a matter of seconds. Dallas hosting your Golden Knights. Dallas, a uh, 145 favorite, down to nothing. You can watch the game at any of the born and raised locations. But how about hitting the new one up north, North Las Vegas, 1125 East Craig. Ryan, the hockey guy, is on the scene. He's doing a pregame, postgame intermission, and it is a full-blown watch party with Fox Sports Las Vegas watch party at any of the born and raised, but hit the one on the north side of town. Well, cocktails, wines, and domestic drafts during happy hour, dollar off. All bar bites and sliders are just eight bucks. Miles Simmons, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. Better than the Boston Celtics are about to feel in about a couple hours. But uh, yeah, I'm great, man. Well, better what, than... What's wrong with... Wait a second, what? What's wrong with winning a game and taking it back to Boston? Oh, wow. Oh, please. No, they're on that one. They were on the one, two, three Cancun on Sunday night. They're going to not play. They're going to play tonight, please. They'll they'll play in the first quarter and then it'll be maybe like within five in the se- at the end of the second. And then it'll be pathetic in the third and fourth quarter wow. because that's the kind of team that they are apparently. So, Steve, I've saved this. I've saved this silver bullet for you because this is a very Cofield-esque move. Oh, boy. I may have just bet the Boston Celtics win the NBA Finals at uh, about 14 and a half to one. So let's go, baby. Come on. <laughs> I like that. That is that is my move. Why not? A little pizza money. You never know. A little pizza yeah, yeah. money. Sprinkle a little. Why not? Why not? Okay. Do you want to get on on the action of LeBron James? Yes, no. Retiring. The no is a minus uh, 1,100. The yes is plus 550. Not a very good split. What do you think of LeBron last night? He sounded very melancholy. was very pensive. It was sad. Yeah, I think he's just kind of getting old, right? It's sort of the same thing that Tom Brady started to do a couple of years ago um, with the Buccaneers, like after they lost to the Rams in the 2021 divisional round. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, maybe, and then maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And Brady actually ended up, right, retiring for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he comes back and then drags the Buccaneers by their bootstraps to the playoffs just to lose to Dallas and then retire again. I mean, I, I feel like... LeBron is at the point in his career where we know he can still do it, right? It's just a matter of, man, do I really want to do this for 82 games in a regular season and then um, also try to drag the players around me to the finals every year? And, you know, he said it. It's not fun to not make the finals. So I, I think, sure, he does have a lot to think about, but also this is like kind of a implicit, you guys better do some more stuff to get better players around me so we're not completely overwhelmed in the Western Conference Finals next year. John, did you want to go at some of the people criticizing LeBron? You want to? I wanted to go further down the path with uh, my Cleveland friend who does radio, Anthony Lima. Well, I just think it's really dumb that for LeBron, every time he's eliminated, <laughs> we have to immediately go to the legacy and MJ stuff. And, you know, Lima over there in Cleveland tweeting out yes. the second that he that the game, it's not even the game still, there's time on the clock. I think there's still time expiring. And it's no matter how you feel about the bubble title for LeBron, four rings does seem light for someone who legitimately mastered the game for two decades. It's like, why do we do that immediately after the game's over? 
Why does well, that have because, to happen? Because it's Anthony Lima, who I also know very well because I interned at 92.3 The Fan years and years and years ago when it was basically a brand new station. And Lima was the same guy then as he is now as he does mornings with Ken Carmen. Like, I mean, that's just who he is. He's like this weird contrarian guy who's like, just kind of like, I'm just asking questions, la, la, la. So like, that's who he is. And I, but wait the a second. Is, <laughs> wait a second. Well, Lima's I my do, pal. I, I, I feel very comfortable I, doing it. I, I, would say this I to like Anthony, and I feel like his next tweet added a lot more context to saying that LeBron having four titles seems a little bit light. He said, if the night he was drafted, I showed you a video of how insanely good he was now at 38. He's the league's all-time scorer, one of the top passers ever, could yeah. guard any position, most athletic, durable player we've seen, played with all these Hall of Famers, You'd think, well, he could probably win more than four titles. It's not yes. hammering him. He made the case. Like, that is an unbelievable player. Now, I wish he followed it up by saying, this is proof how hard it is to do what Kobe and what, I'm not going to mention the other guy's name, and what Russell did. Winning it, titles is really freaking hard. It, it also ignores, Miles, and I'll bring you in on this, it ignores the nuance of every situation. For example, yes. he mentions the Hall of Famers that he played with. Uh, can you tell me, Steve, what Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love did in that first NBA Finals that he played with them together against Cleveland? Or excuse me, Love against Golden State? Uh, right. And Kyrie broke his kneecap after game yep. one. Yeah. So, like, th those are the kind of things, Miles, that kind of irritate me. It's one, we don't have to do it the second the game's over. And by the way, you know, Lima was hardly the only one doing anybody doing this last night. Certainly, it was yeah. just the most prominent figure that I found on my my uh, my feed. But it's also just like so you need some more it, prominent figures yeah, on your feet. Right. Man. <laughs> well, I got Miles Simmons, but I didn't see any NBA tweets from him. Um, <laughs> but it also just ignores like like I'm talking about, like the nuance of all this. You don't have to immediately go to this and ignore some of the obvious things. Oh, and by the way, the big speed bump of the greatest team that we've ever seen created in Golden State with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson standing in his way for two of those titles. Yeah, you you basically have four Hall of Famers on those Golden State Warriors teams from 2017. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, wait, yeah, 2017 and 2018 that defeated LeBron James in those finals. And they had to get Kevin Durant because they lost and blew a 3-1 lead to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, look, I think that LeBron is an all-time great player. And frankly, I don't completely disagree with what Anthony Lima was saying there, that it is four titles is kind of a little bit light. But I agree with you, JVT, where it's like, you really got to look at every all the nuances in the situation. And frankly, coming back down from 3-1 against literally the greatest regular season team in the history of the sport in the Golden State Warriors, where they won 73 games that year. I mean, 73 games out of 82. That's unbelievable. And the fact that they blew a 3-1 to -one lead against the Cleveland Cavaliers almost counts as two titles in my mind. But if you just look at it from the, oh, wow, how many rings does he have? And the landscape just shows you that he has four and that he had to leave Cleveland and go join Dwayne Wade in Miami to get his first two. Yeah. And one came in the bubble. Like, I, I get it from a certain standpoint. It's like, ah, oh, man, like you, you wish that he could have had more. Miles Simmons is with us from Pro Football Talk. Massive sports fan, big NBA guy. The uh, convo we're referencing, we're building this convo around is uh, at Sportsboy Tony, <laughs> our friend Anthony Lima, who's radio in Cleveland. I'll build one more thing off of what he just said at the end, that LeBron played with a bunch of Hall of Famers, Wade, Bosch, Kyrie, Love, and Davis. Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer. The other four, oh, totally. the other four I have no idea. Now watch where I go with this one. Uh, okay. Is Jokic a top 10 player of all time? Uh, okay, one, one more thing before I, I address that. The fact that he got that 2018 Cavs team to the finals is 
ridiculous and that almost is worth a ring in and of itself same with the 2007 cleveland cavaliers that got swept by the san antonio spurs and i was in the building for that game and i was in high school which is like i don't know i guess i'm dating myself but still at, at those two teams the fact that he got those two teams to the finals is pretty ridiculous now Jokic, top 10 player of all time i don't know if we can say that yet i, I think that he is an incredible basketball player and he does some things that are just absolutely unbelievable when you consider his size i mean the fact that he's basically just kind of like hoisting up random three-point shots just because time is about to expire on the shot clock and they go in just speaks so much to his level of skill right and, and lebron is regarded as such an all-time great passer because he is but Jokic is also kind of on that level because if you notice when lebron and when Jokic make passes to guys they're usually right where they can just go up and shoot the ball and that's so hard to do i mean there are guys all around the league and we'll see him tonight with the boston celtics and miami heat where yeah you'll get the pass there but you might have to dribble it. You might have to do something else. You might have to make a little move in order to get into a shooting position. What those two guys do so well in LeBron and Jokic is just get the ball to your teammate in a position where they can just go up and shoot it. And so, yeah, I, I think Jokic is probably on his way to be in that. I think he's going to need a couple of titles in order for us to really, really consider him to be that good. But he is on his way at this point. To use a football term, Jokic throws guys open. Like he's, he he's does. Absolutely, yes, yep. exactly. He's absolutely brilliant. And I would say, Steve, if we were evaluating basketball players on just their skill, not championships and winning and all that stuff, I I say he is solidly a top ten player we've ever seen. Yeah. I was I'm jumping the gun. Yeah. I was a lot of people a, were saying it last night he's a based on yeah. based right, on the numbers. Exactly. We've never seen him before. Yeah. Yeah. Never. A player that, of his size and skill. Hey, he's like the size of Shaq, and like he can shoot like that. Are you kidding? Steve's trying to rack his brain on some sort of comp, but there really isn't one. But there isn't one. He, he's just, it's its like, you know, you're talking about certain guy like Patrick Mahomes. We've never seen somebody as good as Patrick Mahomes before either because nobody's been able to do that. It's like you have uh, Joe Montana, right? And then Tom Brady, those are the goats. And then you go to the next iteration of what is a quarterback? What makes a great quarterback? How does a great quarterback become better? And you see Patrick Mahomes and like, I guess I'm tying it into football because that's what I cover for a living. But like that's that to me is sort of the same thing. Athletes just get bigger and better and the training gets better and better. And, you know, the study of the game gets better and better. And that's how these guys become things that we've never seen before. Are you going to go Arvidas Sabonis? I heard someone do that the other day, but we never got to see Arvidas <laughs> Sabonis under like right. 340 pounds with knees. Right. So he was all jacked up by then at 7'4". <laughs> no, I, I was trying to think. You know, back to someone who's seven foot, you know, 270 pounds. No, it's a, the skill set's amazing. I also was going to make the joke that he's got the unfair advantage of learning how to play basketball the FIBA way, unlike a lot of our American players. We taught yeah. them the game, they improved it, and now their players are coming back and, and beating us up. We've got to embrace FIBA ball. That's right. A little more with our bigs. Um, no, he's a unicorn, though. Um, some football news. I was watching, as I call her, Big Roosh. She's very small, but, you know, big presence. Diana Rattini. Tweeting live from OTAs, which I find really kind of crazy, but it's a big story. Aaron Rodgers is out there for the Jets. I think a lot of smart Alex are like, oh, he's not going to come and work with his new team. He's Aaron Rodgers. Well, he was out there, and I guess at first, Diana Rossini thought he was savoring his ankle. It turns out to be a calf strain. Mm -hmm. You're cool with all this coverage, right? Or, or, is this, or is this even too much for the NFL? Well, okay, I, I think – 
this is the kind of stuff that keeps me employed, right? So it's hard for me to be yes, like, I oh, it's it. too much. Right. It's too much when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers at OTAs. And and honestly, OTAs are some of my favorite times of the year because you have the first couple parts of the offseason program, and that's all well and good. But for me, like when I was covering teams day to day, I, I loved going out to OTA practices because there's no pressure of winning and losing. And so you hear a lot of instruction and it's like, these are the principles that really are the foundation of what we want to do. And so I think you can kind of get to know a team and what they think of who they are in early on in OTAs, right? And it's sort of the same thing early on in training camp where you can actually watch practice and you see what they're teaching and you see how they're teaching it. So from that standpoint, like I don't really care about the play-by-play of stuff. And like, the fact that Aaron Rodgers has a bit of a calf strain here and we're at the end of May, like that's not going to affect him by week one unless somehow his body doesn't heal. Like That would be wild if something now affects him in week one. But I do think it's important for guys to be there. Right, it's important for Aaron Rodgers, who was not at the OTAs um, with Green Bay last year, was not really a part of the offseason program until he had to be for mandatory minicamp, where you saw the effects of it with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, where they're like in a shell basically around this guy who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time until almost halfway through the season when they finally get comfortable with him. So that's why I think like these things are pretty important. Uh, at this time of year, the play-by-play, not so much, but I mean, uh, so you didn't ask me about this, but I'm going to go here anyway, like Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson wasn't there for day one of OTAs. And I don't want to be like, oh man, I have a problem with that. Cause I really don't. And principle it's so voluntary. And who am I to tell guys how to use their time? But if you're Lamar Jackson and you have a new offensive coordinator, you got a, a bunch of new uh, skill players that are also out there you are trying to get to a point where you can beat the Bengals consistently because they really are the kings of the AFC North right now. I think it behooves you to be there at day one to set the standard, right? And so that's where these things, I think, are a little bit important. Can you start setting your standards right now, today, in May? Because those things start to matter once you get into September, October, and November. I think he should be there. Miles Simmons is with us, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, of course, from ProFootballTalk.com. Um, stick with me when I say this. Okay. I hate this show. What but it's actually, it's actually a compliment to the regulars on the show and our guests like Miles because most of us are logical and we don't want to play the embrace debate game, which we should do more often. And mm-hmm. I tried to stir things up yesterday because deep down I'm a fan. And I was trying to side with Raider Nation on Tom Brady being an owner with the Raiders, mm-hmm. which is gross. But I know on <laughs> this friggin' show, no one will, will bite because we all think too lot. Like, it's not really a big deal. Like, it is. It is. It is. It's weird. He delivered one of the worst moments in the history of the organization. It's weird that he now gets to buy into Al Davis's team. Well, it's teams now, and right? I said, and, I mean, and by the way, I said Al, and I I, I know oh it's, it's Mark. They're Mark's teams, but in the end, it's Al's team. And I wonder if Al would have been like, "Yeah, let's do it." 
It, that is interesting too. You said Al, and I was just like going into my answer, and I barely even registered that it's not Al Davis's team anymore because I think of it as Al Davis's team because it is, um, and it's Mark Davis's teams now, right? I mean, it's it, he's in bed with the, and I shouldn't say in bed. That's not necessarily kosher to say, but he's a part of the ownership group of the Aces, and now will also be with the Raiders too. I wonder how Robert Kraft feels about it because. You know, Robert Kraft very, very clearly loves Tom Brady, and for good reason. He brought him his his franchise many championships, right? But I just wonder, you know, would he have rather have had Tommy, as he affectionately calls Tom Brady, buy into his franchise as opposed to one that is also in the same conference and that now has Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler as head coach and general manager? Like, I, I... I think it's weird, and I think you have a point in saying, like, yeah, this is one of these guys that delivered um, one of the biggest blows in franchise history. But by that same token, don't you? Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody who is as competitive and who knows football as well as Tom Brady in your front office? Wouldn't anybody want that? But it's isn't he? Name, what is, but what's he doing? He's not doing anything. I don't know. Miles. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, but you can. But 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 okay. But if he's there and if he is a part of the ownership group, like to me, that means Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler get carte blanche to be like, "Hey, Tom, yep. what do you think of this?" And, and I, I wouldn't. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I. What the other? I'll give you the other nightmare is, and I don't think a lot of people looked into what Marcel Reese did for the organization and who he was for Mark Davis. What if Tom Brady is the new Marcel Reese? I mean, that is that the worst thing in the world? I don't know. Well, I, as a Raiders fan, I'd be like, wait, if Josh and Dave don't do well, is is new Marcel Reese Tom Brady going to be like, they're good. Just give, give, them, give them a few more years. We're good, Marcel. I'll take I care think, of it. I think that Tom Brady's a little more competitive than that. I do because I think that Tom Brady had a lot of issues last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And and we understood that kind of reading between the lines of what it was that they were doing. And like it was still very strange that Bruce Arians, who was going to be the head coach, then decided to step down a couple of weeks after Tom Brady decides that he's coming back from his 40 day and 40 night yep. retirement. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I, I that that was that's still a little <laughs> too fishy for it to just be coincidental to me. So I, I think that there's only so much crap that Tom Brady's going to take. We blew it at the Super Bowl. We had like six minutes with uh, with Arians in front of us at the set. Did yeah. you guys get him on? Uh, I don't know that we did. Florio and Arians are kind of like oil and water. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was actually just For thinking Florio, Florio would have went right at him. Yeah, said, probably. Hey, hey, did Brady push you out? And I should have yes. gotten to it. And he, yeah, yeah. he might have gotten up and flipped the table on me, but it would have been worth it. Probably. He might He might have. Hey, hey, look, it would have put it would have gotten some attention on you guys. That's for freaking sure. There you go. All right, Miles. We appreciate it. Uh good levity on the uh, LeBron stuff. And uh, I'm glad you amped it up for Tom Brady, new Raiders owner. Someone did it finally here. Hey yo, there we go. All right, we talk to you guys it. next week. We needed it. Tell Lima to relax. We needed it. We needed it. <laughs> Are you worked up over Brady? Like, don't you have a team where you'd like like there's an enemy of the team? Tom Brady? Yes. Like what if, if Jim Mercy's like, yeah, TB 12's in, it's going to be part owner of the Colts. Like, no, he's owned the Colts for a while now. So eh, it's I brought it up yesterday as, as a Jets fan. Like I, 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 no, why would you care? You've not, you haven't played 20 any, years. You haven't played any high leverage games against Tom. Yeah. We had no shots. Exactly. Of him and Belichick Raiders and Colts fans. At least there's a lot of high leverage spots. Eh. I hate them. 
The Steve Sears Summer Tour is set to return this Wednesday. Cofield and Company will be live at Ellis Island Casino Hotel and Brewery from 3 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, thanks to uh, Battleborn Injury Lawyers for hosting the show today. About 35 minutes left in Cofield and Company. VGK is live right now over Golden Knights on our station. Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 and 1340 AM. Uh, let's do a Aces giveaway. Two tickets for the Aces in the ESPN Fan Zone. Thanks to Westar Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. It's the Sunday game, the second game at home of the season. Minnesota Lynx taking on the Aces at the MUA, Mick Ultra Arena. You can grab your tickets at axs.com. But Ari's got a pair right now. 364-1100, 364 Caller number seven. As I said a couple of minutes ago, um, this is not a bit or trying to get artificially worked up over Tom Brady going, well, buying into the Raiders. Mm. Stuff like that kind of drives me nuts. But I am a fan. And I do appreciate good stories rolling out in, say, the NFL, like Austin Eckler, an undrafted player, now talking about, you know, needing more money, and he does, right? He just got $1.75 million added to his contract for this year. Those are incentives. So I think he was making six two five this year. He's the 13th highest paid running back in football. He's one of the most productive running backs in all of football. Last year, what, about 1,600 yards from scrimmage and 18 touchdowns. But a guy coming from the undrafted ranks to make that kind of money and have a good career is really cool. In the NBA, it happens more than you think. Because there's, the draft has no depth to it, right? In terms of rounds. It used to be round after round after round. Now, you see guys come from out of nowhere, or a lot of times because they're so young, it takes them a while to develop. In the case of the Martin Twins, a little different because they're 27 years old. Cody hasn't made it. He's been in the NBA. Caleb Martin, though, in these games, in this series, you're like, okay, that's the Caleb Martin I remember freaking terrorizing the Mountain West, and especially the guys at UNLV. He's turning into a really good player for the Heat. I, I just I'm laughing because I just remember there one of the days you know one of the games that they played here at the Thomas and Max Center where they were still Musselman and the Martin Twins and that psychopath was out there, and they're up. We're st- I'm sitting up in the stands because it was like a family package. It was me, um, my girlfriend at the time, now wife Isabel, uh, Dangerous Dan and his girlfriend, and we're watching it. There's like two minutes left in the game. Yep, I remember they're they're down by 22 and they're like hard switching and Martin's like slapping the floor. And I'm like, these psychopaths and like Eric Musselman screaming. And you realize like these, you could see a difference in what those guys do on the floor. Yep. And that translates to this point right now where Caleb Martin is essentially starting power forward for an Eastern Conference finalist and maybe an NBA finalist here right now. It, like It's incredible his path of development, how good he has become. And it also speaks to kind of finding the right spot because I don't know if Caleb Martin becomes this if he doesn't land with Miami. I'm sure he has the capabilities, but it takes like the right landing spot to kind of maximize what you can potentially become. He's been freaking awesome. This last game where he went like, what, four or seven from three-point range, knocking down shots like he's Steph Curry, he fits perfectly with them. And that's why when people get on the NBA draft and they're like, you know, this year it's going to be hyped up because of Wemby. But when people start looking at the draft and names and they're like, eh, nothing, like, no, there's always something, and there's a lot of guys who don't get drafted. It is an intense scouting game. Look at the Lakers. Now, right now is not a good feeling for Lakers fans today, but Austin Reeves is a hell of a get, and I I, I don't hesitate to say he is going to be a building block. 
right? Is that is that too much? No, not at all. He's they got, they got a great get in that guy. By the way, Gabe Vincent, Gabe who? What? Right. UCSB? Huh? He's been a giant pain in the ass for the Celtics. All of these guys, it, it like it just speaks to your ability to scout and know what you're doing and develop. I mean, what have we always said? We've always said this about the Lakers. It's one of their strongest points as a franchise. They've always been good at scouting and developing guys. And Austin Reeves is going to command as much money as he can. He's a restricted free agent this summer, and the Lakers are going to have to pay him. But it just speaks to the ability to find talent. Look at Jalen Brunson, a second-round pick, top of the second round. As long as you can find these guys and develop them, you're going to be good, and some of these teams are able to do it. Cofield and Company is live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 702-766-1400. Celtics and the Heat are tipping. You say Celtics still have life. Did you actually did you make a bet for the title? Yeah, I bet them at 14 at 14 and one. Yeah, 14 All, right. Yeah. All right. Did you have any Lakers bets? Uh no, I had nugget stuff. Okay. Nuggets minus one and a half for the series and a couple of other, you know, money line bets when they were in LA. Oh boy. I had the Lakers last night. I'm like, of course they're going to take a game minus three and a half. This will lock. Didn't work out. Uh, Trevor Lane's been around this team the entire year and covering the team for a long time with Laker nation. He gives Cofield and company in Vegas, a couple of minutes, a lot to talk about from the series and then what the off season is going to look like. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Well, we appreciate you doing it. Uh, well, first of all, give me your reaction, because uh, I think there was a lot of cynicism when people saw LeBron saying, hey, I got to think about it. Uh, what do you think about what LeBron said after the game last night, kind of hinting that retirement could be a possibility? Yeah, I, I don't know if I fully buy it. I mean, I, I think that in that moment, there was the frustration of, of getting swept. There was you know, all the effort, the energy to be poured into that game. I mean, playing all but four seconds of of the game and playing at the level that he did and still not being able to, to quite get it done. Uh, in addition to, you know, managing the foot injury and, and all of that and not knowing what rehab is going to look like this offseason, I think all of it just kind of came together to be a, a frustrating moment for him. And as, as Darvin Ham mentioned this morning, he said, you know, who wouldn't be thinking about retirement after everything they went through over the course of the season to now look ahead to the summer and think about everything that's to come just to do it all over again in October. But, Nonetheless, I would be very, very surprised if he walked away at this point, if he left all that money on the table, didn't have a send-off or anything like that. That just It doesn't seem like a, a plausible path to me. So I'd be shocked if he really walked away right now. Today was exit interview day? Yes, yeah, exit interviews for essentially everybody except for, for LeBron. We didn't see him there. He, uh, the Lakers said they were going to give him time. Uh, Rob Palenka said... They were going to give him time, give him a few days, and then uh, they would have conversations with him uh, when the time comes. How many dudes on this team you think participating today were thinking to themselves, yeah, this is probably it? I mean, how much of this core is going to stay together? You know, most of the guys said, let's let's run this back, let's keep this together. And Rob Palenka talked about it as well, the Lakers GM, said that, that his intention, and, you know, it, that can certainly change as the offseason goes on, but his intention is to keep the young players together on this team. The players they added at the trade deadline when we talk about D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, the guys they got undrafted a couple off-seasons ago. They want to keep these young players together, build around that as part of their core, of course, as those guys being the, the role players alongside LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. They feel like they've found something here, and one of the limiting factors for the group this year was that they, they added so many of them at the trade deadline. They didn't get to go through a full training camp really developed that chemistry. They had two months on the court, most of it without LeBron, and then we're right into the playoffs. So 
The sense around the Lakers right now is that if they keep this group together and if they're able to, to get a full training camp, uh, they're going to be uh, much improved next season. So I, I think there is optimism that a lot of these guys are going to stay. So let's assume that everything goes well. You know, Austin Reeves, they can sign him. There's no ridiculous you know, offer for him as a restricted free agent. Rui Hachimura, same thing. What does this team need to get better? Do you think it's just, hey, get them all together in camp, everything's going to be fine? I, I would feel like maybe there's one thing they need for a team that was as limited in terms of their shooting and sometimes offensively. They're, they're maybe like one piece away. What do you think that piece is? Yeah, I mean, I think that they, they need guys who can step up kind of the postseason, particularly with the shooting. I mean, you added Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell to address the shooting concerns that they had, and then neither one of them were able to, to shoot. And Malik Beasley was out of the rotation. D'Angelo Russell shot 13% from three in the Western Conference Finals. So they probably need another wing shooter or two, uh, some guys who can get out there and just face the floor for you. I also think they need a true backup big. I mean, they thought it was going to be Mobamba who wound up suffering an ankle injury. So they didn't have him, but they need another player behind Anthony Davis that can be a true center. Wenyan Gabriel's 205 pounds. He just doesn't seem to be big enough to have that role against some of the bigger players. Obviously, Nikola Jokic being a prime example of that. So I think what they're looking for is they're going to try to find a bit more shooting in the offseason. We've been saying it for the last few years, though. They've been looking for that. We'll see if they can find it. But then I think they really need to go find a consistent presence behind Anthony Davis at the center position, maybe even somebody that can push for a starting role and slide Anthony Davis back to power forward. I think they need another big that they can rely upon. Trevor Lane. Lakers Nation is with us. We were talking about LeBron's future in terms of you know being tied to his son, Bronny. What is LeBron's contract status now? How long do the Lakers have him for? So the Lakers have him under contract this next season. He has two years left on his deal, but next summer he has a player option. So the only thing that's locked in is one more year under contract, and then LeBron has the ability to walk away next summer. He could go sign with whatever team lands his son, lands Bronny if he wants. He could pick up the next the next year if he wants. He could sign a new contract. He can do whatever he wants to do. So one year's guaranteed. There's two years left on the deal, but uh, he does have the option to opt out in the summer of 2024. John, why were you fighting me earlier on LeBron's going to join Bronny? Well, because your thought was that he was going to retire, then okay. come back and go so, join. So he, he doesn't sit out. Yeah. So at the end, because my, my whole point, I, and this is, you know, I'm not going to say typical sports radio, but I actually think there's some value to this in, in terms of a take. I know Wemby is going to be an amazingly intriguing prospect. He's going to be the number one pick this NBA draft. Why can't, why can't Bronny be the number one pick in two years, knowing that you're going to get LeBron for like three years with him? I, I to me that's you don't think he can play three years into his forties. No. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a lure if you know for sure that you're getting LeBron. I mean, we were talking about this when when he when LeBron first started saying, "Hey, I'd like to go play with Bronny. I'd like to play with my son." I mean, that's that's a lot of incentive, right? Even if it's just one year, if it's one year and you know you get LeBron's send off year, if you even just forget on the court the financial implications of that are massive. So there, that would be a tremendous incentive to draft Bronny. Now, he is rising up draft rankings. I don't know if he's going to be the number one guy, and it'll be next summer, well, 2024, yeah. is when, he, when he's eligible to come out. But, yeah, I mean, there would be uh, some extra incentive. If you know for sure that LeBron is going to sign, is going to follow his son, there would definitely be that added incentive to go ahead and draft Bronny, even if you're just getting a year of LeBron. 
Yeah, on, on Bronny's draft status, I looked up last week, NBADraft.net, I think it was, and he was like 46 in the second round ne- next year. I'm like, there's no way he's going to be the 46th pick. There's going to be a top 10 team that believes it can well, – I didn't, you're shaking your head at this. I don't get it. Because you're not wasting a top 10 pick. Like, I get the allure of LeBron, but you're not going to waste a top 10 pick on Bronny for that. I, I think there's some organizations out there that would. And here's the thing. If it's a top 10 team that is kind of mid-level, you know, it's already a 45-win team. I think they could do it. So we'll see how it plays out. Bronny, Bronny could also, I mean, he's right there in the Lakers' backyard. I mean, he could be a eight-point-per-game guy. He could also be an 18-point-per-game guy and actually justify being a first-round pick. Um, I, I wanted to talk about, the, the obviously, the other big element with the Lakers in terms of a build is Anthony Davis. What do you think the organization thinks of AD as a building block? Because eventually, you know, whether it's with Bronny or not, LeBron is going to be bye-bye. Is AD part of the future plan, say, like, three years from now, or once LeBron is out, this is a whole rebuild. Yeah, it could be a whole rebuild. I mean, Anthony Davis has a player option the same summer in 2024, so he could wind up walking away at that point as well. Um, this is this is very much a prove-it season for Anthony Davis. There were a lot of question marks about whether or not he could be the 1A guy, and so far it's been kind of hit and miss. We've seen games. I mean, game one of the series against the Nuggets, he put up 40 points. And then in other games, you just don't feel him out there on the offensive end. He's been incredible defensively. I think he's been the best defensive player in the postseason. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Their teams are having to scheme around Anthony Davis's defense, doing everything they can to try to drag him away from the basket because players are, are worried about trying to get shots off on him around the rim. He's phenomenal there. But offensively, he doesn't give you that night-in, night-out uh, production that you would hope to see out of a true 1A guy. So if the Lakers do intend to keep Anthony Davis into the future and make him that cornerstone, I think they're going to need to add some scoring talent. They're going to need to add another star that can be maybe a 1B or maybe even a true 1A guy and then let Anthony Davis fall back to be the 1B player. I don't think he can be your main central cog, at least on the offensive end. He can do it defensively. But I think that they need to add another piece along with him if they're expecting Anthony Davis to be a foundation piece post-LeBron. Trevor Lane, Lakers Nation. Uh, Trevor underscore Lane is where you can find his Twitter account, at Lakers Nation is the Twitter account for the site. Where can people find your stuff in terms of video content? Yeah, you can find most of my work over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. We do uh, live shows there. We have all kinds of video content out every single day, breaking down everything that's going on in the world of the Lakers. I love the offseason, getting into all the roster-building stuff, so I'm going to have a lot of stuff going up there on different trade possibilities, free agent signings, all of that. And then the podcast, the Lakers Nation podcast, you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and that gets released five days a week. Okay, a couple of roster-building things. And John should jump in on this one, since John and I argue all the time about, as we call him, Dr. Dre, Draymond Green, Master of Kinesiology. Um, is there going to be – listen, this – the organization, I think, at the at the uh, trade deadline and, you know, getting guys like Reeves, that's not when LeBron is GM. That's when the organization runs its best. When LeBron has too much of a hand in it, then we get into trouble. If LeBron wants Draymond Green, do you think Draymond Green would want to leave Golden State? He said he doesn't. And will the Lakers be interested in taking on Draymond Green, who is an instigator? He's an energy guy. He can be good for an organization, but he is risky. Yeah, I mean, I think they would be interested. The question is, what's the cost? And not necessarily in terms of the contract. What's the cost in terms of who do you have to get off of the roster in order to bring him in? Most likely, the Lakers are going to be at above the cap team. And what that's going to mean is that 
They would have to make some very difficult decisions with some players, either via sign-and-trade, you could do something with Golden State that way, or if you're going to sign them as a free agent, you would have to let go a lot of players in order to clear enough space to sign them to the kind of contract that, that he would want. So it would be a lot of difficult decisions that you would have to make there in order to make it happen. It's the same argument with the Kyrie Irving situation where you would have to essentially gut the roster to make it happen. So, uh, you know, based on what Rod Palenka said this morning, it doesn't sound like that's the path the Lakers want to go down. But, you know, if LeBron is pushing for it, you never know. I think the challenge is then you kind of put yourself back into a roster build similar to the one we saw with Russell Westbrook on the team, where it's LeBron, it's Anthony Davis, it's one other high-level player, and then a bunch of veteran minimum guys, and that just did not work out very well. So I don't think the Lakers would be in favor of Draymond Green unless there was a way to get him without gutting the entire roster, and I just don't see a path to doing that right now. Trevor, for me, the guy who I keep thinking would be perfect for the Lakers, should he decline his player option, which it sounds like he's going to, uh, Fred Van Vliet, what do you make of that addition? Yeah, he'd be fantastic. You know, he's a, a clutch sports client uh, as well. You do still run into those same same challenges, but if you could execute, you know, he's probably not going to cost you as much as, say, Kyrie would or something. But he could be a very nice piece to go get. Uh, has been a good defensive guard in the past. Wasn't great defensively this year, but can shoot a bit from outside, can create for himself. So he'd be a really nice fit for the Lakers. Uh, especially if you can interest uh, the, the Toronto Raptors in some sort of a, a sign-and-trade scenario. But, yeah, that would be a really nice pickup for a Lakers team that could use another guard like that, particularly if Dennis Schroeder is on his way out the door. And if they make the decision not to keep D'Angelo Russell, uh, maybe there's an, an easy double sign-and-trade in that scenario. So, yeah, that, I, like the, I like the target and think he'd be a great fit. Trevor, great spot, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There he is, Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation. Update from Dallas. Oh, mama. The beginning of this game with VGK. Oh, boy. Five minutes left in the first. Dallas, oh, is down 3 nothing. Really? Yeah, VGK. Wow. VGK comes out of the gates about a minute in. Marshy. Marsh is so with a goal. Next up, about six minutes later, five minutes later, Barbie with a power play goal. That made it 2 nothing. Less than a minute later, Will Carrier. Man. 3 nothing, like, And it looks like Jamie Benn is down for the count in the game. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jamie Benn done for the night. And now uh, Dadnoff to Danoff just went down the tunnel. Boy, are they going to freaking rip through this series? Wow. Seems like that might be the case. I mean – Watching, I've, that's why I brought it up with Justin. When I watched that Seattle series, it, because you know the only reason I had bet it, and it was one of those weird things where it just came on at the times where I could watch it. Watching that, I mean, Dallas defensively, there were times where they were giving up a bunch of shots on goal, high-scoring affairs to Seattle. And if you have a team like Vegas who can score at that pace while also playing pretty good defense, it seemed like it was a matchup that worked for them. Oh, boy. 3 nothing VGK on top of the Stars. You can hear the game on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. And – not going well for the Celtics. Max Struess with a dunk. What? 22-15, to 15, Miami out to a quick start against the Celtics. It's time to kick off the summer in Vegas with Cofield and Company and the Steve Sears Summer Tour. We'll be live in the front yard this Wednesday, 3 to 6 p.m. Come grab a beer and watch the show live at Ellis Island. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Alerts for housing the show today at Battleborn Broadcast Center. 
Von Tobel, Cofield, Ari is back in the Finley Toyota Studios. If you need legal advice, you need legal help, 766-1400 is the number. Offices in Henderson and Vegas and Reno. It's hard to look at the TV with Cody Zeller up on the TV. And it's just, it's, he's doing this on purpose at this point. You, well, don't, you don't have to wear a mask like that. You don't have to be that bald. I don't know. Be that bald. Uh, no, it's I'm just, laughing because I think I read this stat correctly. Yeah. I think he's the highest drafted Miami Heat player outside of Kevin Love. Oh, <laughs> that is amazing. Was he a top 10 pick? Yeah, top 15? I, I think he was a top 10 pick. I'll double right? check. Yeah. The Zeller brothers, did they both play in Indiana? Have that right? Yeah, I think they're I like the Plumleys, right? Like, you know, they're all just kind of together. Well, he was the fourth overall pick. Fourth overall he, pick by Cody Charlotte. Zeller. Yeah. Charlotte. Yep. Oops. Man, what a different time. Oh, if Cody Zeller one. came out now, he'd be like a fringe first round guy. Yep. The seven footer has no value. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, unless are you you're seven foot and you play inside? No. Wait, come on. And that was 2013. Like it's still even just it's, 10 years yeah. with a difference. Totally wow. changed. Totally changed. Um on the basketball front, I don't know if you saw it, but uh Luis Rodriguez had yes. been fishing in the NBA waters just to get some analysis on what his future would be. He's a running rebel and he's officially back as a running rebel. So the way the team looks now is uh, we think Deion Thomas is going to reclassify to 2023. We talked to his dad on, uh, what was it, last Tuesday, and he said, oh, we got to think about it. It's going to take a couple of weeks. We just got past this decision. It was a big one to pick UNLV. And then as the conversation went along, Deion Sr. basically was like, he needs to play college basketball. Like, he's ready. He's advanced a lot. He's growing really quickly. So you would have Deion Thomas – at point, um, I saw a positional breakdown from one Twitter handle. I think this is going to be like a really great example of a positionless basketball mm -hmm. team between Luis Rodriguez and the Boone Twins. I think both Boone Twins can play on the perimeter and face the basket. They're both six nine, so they could also play big positions. Uh, Jalen Hill can play the small, can play the power forward. He's a hometown hero coming back from Oklahoma. Justin Webster is still around. He had a really effective year, especially in Mountain West Conference play. His three-point shooting soared above 48%. And Shane Noel is back. He's a really intriguing – another guy who's kind of positionless basketball, who at times was playing like freaking the five. He can cover point guards. Um, now, beyond that, Jackie Johnson is back. And I still think they have room for a couple more players. I think they only have one scholarship left. I think they need a backup point guard, and I think they need a rim protector. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. There's a lot of players in the transfer portal – uh, there are former recruits of theirs, you know, targets who are in the transfer portal. So we'll see what they come up here or with here in the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, good luck in team with a, a a solid amount of size. There's two different ways to look at size, right? There is, hey, do you have the traditional power bigs, which I think is important in some matchups. And you got to have a little bit of burliness and girth. Mm -hmm. But the thing in the Mountain West is – the teams are big across the board. Like they, you may not see a lot of six ten, six eleven guys, but you start looking on the wings and you're like, all right, six five, six six, six seven. Yep, that makes a big difference when you have small guards with six seven with size, right? With girth, you know, like you said, with girth, like yeah. that's so that's a big part about it. You can be a spindly six seven or a stout six seven, and it makes all the difference in the world. So I would agree with you. Can I also just say, just to add on to this, this is why I liked when they allowed this in terms of allowing players to test the waters. Luis Rodriguez is such a good example of it. Go test the waters. Go see what it's going to be like. You don't get a good read on what it's going to be. Then you get to go back to college. I have and some play. early deadline where the kid gets screwed out of his eligibility. Exactly. 
Let him see what he can be. And if it's not going to work, then go back to school. It's awesome. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So Ari sent over a video. We can't play the audio, but it was a woman making zebra cakes. But it went on and on and on. But here's the thing. I'm not a cook. I'm not a uh, baker. So she was really detailed. Did you watch this video? Are you a baker? Would you make zebra cakes? No, Isabel is, though. I, I'd be willing to try, but I'm not good at baking at all. It's science. You're off by like a little millisecond. Everything. It seems so complicated. Yep. I forget what reality cooking show I was watching, and they were putting like pretty good level chefs through making brand name candy. And to try to watch people make a Kit Kat at home, well, it was, it was the most disastrous cooking show I've ever seen. Impossible. 